Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Matt Jones, Michelle Smallman, presented by Progressive Insurance. The trade deadline has now passed. It was at 6 o'clock. And the Yankees, well, they made a big move. They are acquiring right-hand reliever Kenyon Middleton from the White Sox. I don't know who that is, but I'm sure he's a wonderful fellow, Michelle. But is that going to (laughs) be enough to do what the Yankees need to do? They didn't do the marquee big thing. Is Is that a problem? I think it could be. Yeah, I don't know if... Kenyon Middleton, a right-handed reliever, is going to be enough to spark the New York Yankees. They're in a bad place. They're 10 games behind the Orioles in the AL East. We talk about the Mets being a disaster, but what a disappointment the Yankees have been this season. Yeah, they have. The Orioles made a big deal. They got right-hander Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals. They wanted a starter to sort of uh, go into the thing, and they got him. So Jack Flaherty joins the Orioles. Here are some other deals that happened right in the last 10 minutes. The Arizona Diamondbacks acquired Tommy Pham from the Mets. So the Mets fire sale, which they said wasn't a fire sale, includes the hitter that was probably the best for them this year. You could argue Tommy Pham was the most consistent hitter they had. He is now in the Arizona Diamondbacks. The White Sox acquired Louis Patino uh, from the Rays for cash considerations. That's kind of an odd You wouldn't expect that trade at this time. And the Rangers acquired catcher Austin Hedges from the Pirates. So the Rangers make a move at catcher. uh, Flaherty to the Orioles and the great Keenan. I said Kenyon. Keenan Middleton uh, to the Yankees. So, you know, the biggest deal today was, of course, Verlander to Houston. I think Michael Lorenzen is a sneaky deal there to the Phillies towards the towards the end of the day. But a couple of the big starters, like Eduardo Rodriguez, as, as of now, we have not heard that they have been traded. number of teams that we thought would be very active, including my Reds, ended up doing nothing. So now that it's over, I got to ask you a question. Who's going to win the World Series, Michelle? Now that, now that we know what the rosters are, where are you ready to go? I'm still picking the Braves. <laughs> Still picking the Atlanta Braves. What about you? Have any of these roster moves changed your mind at all? Uh, I, I like what the Orioles did. I like I like what the Astros did in getting Verlander. I still am going to put my money on the Braves, though. Yeah, I think the Braves, I, I think going into this time of the year, you're basically, for me, going to say the Braves are the favorite to win to win it all. And then I think the next 14 teams, including three or two that won't make it, are about the same. I mean, you look at the team, like you take the Astros, they're better, but do I think they're certain to beat in a series any of these teams? No. I think you go, just go down the list. Tampa Bay, uh, Baltimore, if the Yankees or Boston were to make it, or Toronto, Minnesota, the Rangers, the Astros, I'm not sure to pick any of them in a series against each other. And then in the National League, the Marlins, the Phillies, the the Reds, the Brewers, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, the Dodgers, 
I don't know. I think any of those teams could win it. Atlanta's the one team I think is actually uh, the most solid. But if they get upset, to me and Michelle, anything's possible. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk about what I know here for a second. I love that the Orioles acquired Jack Flaherty. They're, they're sitting atop the ALEs. Are you an Orioles fan? You cheered when that happened. Well, because Jack Flaherty was an ace before the pandemic and has been – It's been so up and down, Matt, with him and the Cardinals. He was supposed to be the next guy. He was supposed to be the guy that led the Cardinals and led that rotation to a World Series championship. But he's just had injury after injury after injury. It's been a start and stop for him for quite some time now. But he's had success this season. And I'm happy that he's going to a place where I can hopefully see him pitch in the postseason and pitch well. So I'm glad. It's it's sad when your team is selling off pieces that were supposed to be great for you. Like, it's a bummer that the Cardinals had to move on from Jordan Hicks. It's sad to see Paul DeYoung get moved, even though he's not a main piece of the team anymore. But I want to see those guys go places where they have a chance to win. If it's not going to be with my team, I want them to go somewhere where they have a, sh- a shot. And so I'm happy to see Jack Flaherty go to the Orioles. And I think he is a guy that is very motivated He's he's a Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality guy. Oh, Matt. he's a Mamba mentality. He's a Mamba mentality guy. What does I that th- mean to you? What is the Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality? He's going to work really hard. All he wants is to win. And I think ha- getting moved is going to be, I know up until today, there was conversations maybe that he might find a way to have an extension in St. Louis. But I think that him going there, he's going to be motivated and he's going to be hungry to get it done. So that's a good move for them. Well, Eduardo Perez thinks uh, he's our Major League Baseball analyst. He was on the trade deadline special, and he thinks Verlander is the move of the day to the Astros. Here's what he had to say. The Astros, I think, killed it on this one. And one of the biggest reasons they did is because he's had success there in Houston already. He knows exactly what to expect from that city, from that team, from his teammates. He won the Cy Young Award as a Houston Astro. Yeah. And this guy and Jim Crane, they get it. They get what winning is all about in Houston. They get each other, that's for sure. They get each other, and I think that's one of the most important things. They're reunited. So there you go. They are reunited, Verlander to Houston. So we will keep you updated. I think you'll see more. There may be some other trades that sort of leak out that happen that we don't find out, and if we do, uh, we will let you know. I also want to note that we are going to have – there's developing stories with the Pac-12. Arizona's meeting – is coming up here in about 20 minutes, the meeting to determine whether or not they are going to stay in the Pac-12 or go to the Big 12. The Pac-12 has given their media rights presentation to the presidents, and it is a short-term agreement with Apple. It is amazing. I want to. I do have to say this. It's amazing to me, Michelle. The Pac-12, the Rose. Think about what's going to happen to the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl, 120 years of tradition. The Pac-12 may not exist. You may not even have a Rose Bowl. That's kind of crazy to imagine, isn't it? I hate this. I hate this so much. I hate all of this conference realignment. And I know it makes me sound like get off my lawn lady over it here. Is. But you are get off my lawn. That's okay. Like, I'll take I it. I want to watch Wisconsin play Minnesota. That's what you <laughs> want to see, right? But I really do. I do want to watch Wisconsin <laughs> play Minnesota because I know what type of football I'm going to get. Big Ten football. And they're... There was something that was very precious about collegiate athletics 
and it has been stripped away in the name of money. And but I hasn't love, that happened for a long time? It I has, mean, that, but it's just been a back. very quick erosion. Like I love that players have more power and that they're getting their piece of the pie. They should have control over their name, image, likeness. But with everything we're seeing with NIL and the transfer portal and all of this conference realignment, this is not the college football that I fell in love with. And it's just changing so fast. And I wonder if 10 years from now, we're going to look back at this time and be like, maybe we should have thought about this a little differently. Maybe we should have taken a beat because now all of these rivalry games are not the same. And now the identity of certain conferences are not the same. And now certain conferences don't even exist. And some of the things that made college football great are just getting tossed by the wayside. I understand what you're saying, but I will counter that by saying ratings were better for college football last year than they've been in a decade. The NIL, you you mentioned three different things. I get where you're coming from on the conference stuff. I disagree with you, but I can understand the sort of affinity for watching Big Ten football where it's like two yards in a cloud of dust (laughs) and the final score is six to three. I understand you like that. It's not my bag, but I get it. The, The NIL stuff, there was no decision. The Supreme Court ruled 9 nothing that they had to do it. And the Supreme Court doesn't do 9-0 a lot. The most conservative and the most liberal justice said you have to let them do it. So there was nothing that could change about that. The transfer portal, to me, is maybe the one I think is the most long-term uh, needed. You, In every other form of life, we let people do what they want to do. We let, we let the coaches go where they want to go. Michelle, you and I... We have contracts, but when they're over, we can go wherever we want to go to work. The idea that these kids would not have contracts because they don't want to be considered – the schools don't want to consider them employees, and that they could then make them not leave is crazy to me. It's always been crazy. So I know it seems like chaos, but I also think sometimes chaos is needed to shake up a status quo that wasn't fair. I am with you in the fact that I think that they should have control over what happens to their careers. They should have that decision-making authority. I am so with you. But I look at college basketball, and Matt, when I was growing up, I loved college basketball. I loved watching freshmen develop into what would be leaders on the team and you knew the players and they were there for a long time and you could fall in love with with certain players now I feel like college basketball we don't view it the same it's so transactional and you just don't have the same affection or affinity for it I mean, I'm in Kentucky. We still view it as something pretty awesome and the NCAA tournament again again the NCAA tournament the, the NCAA tournament, though, is a special event. Regular season college basketball has been devalued. But to be quite frank with you, regular season, everything except the NFL and college football has been devalued. Like it is, It's just the changing nature of sports. I also think it's very important. There are a million options for people to do everything now. And so back in the day when you and I were growing up, when we had, you know, 20 channels – and we just had to watch what they had, it was easy to turn on ESPN and watch whatever college basketball game they gave us. Now there's going to be a lot more options, and I think that just leads to what's happened. One more trade that has come, the Miami Marlins are acquiring first baseman Josh Bell from the Cleveland Guardians for infielder Gene Segura and infield prospect Khalil Watson. So that's sources tell ESPN. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. 
Aaron Rodgers has reworked his contract with the New York Jets. They came to an agreement. He signs a new two-year, $75 million guaranteed contract through the 2024 season. This is a $35 million voluntary pay cut that Aaron Rodgers has offered to the Jets. It's a sign that he plans to play there the next two years. Again, anything can happen with my body or with the success we have this year, but I'm having a blast, so I don't really see this as a one-year-and-done thing. We already talked earlier, Michelle believes Aaron Rodgers is a changed man. He's seen the light. He has gone to the ayahuasca farm in Costa Rica, and now his mind has expanded, and he is a joy and a delight to be around. I'm a little more skeptical. But Nathaniel Hackett today finally addressed the comments that Sean Payton made about what a disaster his time was in in Denver, and This was what he said his reaction was to those somewhat controversial comments. Obviously, last week has been a uh, very unique week, I think, uh, for for this organization. And, um, you know, I've been involved in this business my whole life, 43 years. And uh, as a coach, you know, as a coach's kid, uh, you know, we live in a glass house. We know that. We all live in different rooms. We all got a key for it. And it's one of those things that there's a code, there's a way things are done in that house. And, you know, this past week, it, it's, it's, it's frustrating and it sucks, but uh, we're all susceptible to it. So he, that's what happens, yes. I do think it's funny, though, Hackett and Rogers and Sala and his, you know, you have haters when you be popping. I know, I think it's funny how they all act like they're aggrieved for people a.k.a. Sean Payton, saying the truth. You know, you and I have talked about this a couple times today. Let me – you – do you think that Sean Payton messed up? You seem to say move on, but at the same time he's the coach there. Leave aside the bro code. Do you think it was wrong for his team for Sean Payton to say it? Yeah, I do. Because I think if you really do want to turn the page and move on and start fresh and build a culture, why are you revisiting history? Why are why did you feel compelled to have to bring this up and make your team the headline? There's already a lot of pressure there on Russell Wilson. I don't. I he's probably never felt more pressure in his entire career, and now we're all looking at him. And Sean Payton is saying he hasn't lost a step. He revealed that he wanted his personal quarterbacks coach to be there, that there needed to be parents in the room. Should I then deduce that Russell Wilson is a child that needs to be parented? Is that what you're trying to tell me? He just opened up a lot more questions and brought a lot more heat and attention on them that didn't need to be there. So I think he messed up, yes. Do you think – okay, so so let's just talk. I mean, are, is there any chance the Broncos are successful this year either way? I don't see it. Yeah, and I don't see it either. Either, And so I think part of what Sean Payton is doing is setting a, a culture, right? And I think in order to set a culture, you say, look, this stuff has not been good and we have to change it. What I think, think is interesting about this is this idea in sports that you can't talk about people in your fraternity, right? So coaches can't talk about other coaches. Players are not supposed to talk about other players. I just don't see why that's the case. It, you know, it's almost like there's a coach. Well, he said he broke. Well, I'll tell you, Nathaniel Hackett was asked if he thought Sean Payton broke the quote unquote coach's code. I promise he said something. He did. I heard it earlier. I promise. I know he did. 
I do, and I, I just think yes. that within within this glass house that we all live in, and it's one of those things. It's it, it's very expected. I mean, we, we, you knew it was going to happen. You knew he was going to handle it that way at some point. It's how it was going all last year. And uh, but hey, now now it is what it is, and we move on. I'm very excited about this team. There's been a lot of really good stuff going on here, uh, and I want to be sure we're focusing on that because uh, that, that that's in the past. Learn from your mistakes, move on. All of us. So. He said, I find it interesting he said in there, uh, we knew it was going to happen. Does that make you think that other coaches sort of think Sean Payton is a jerk behind the scenes? Like, I knew he was going to do this at some point. No, maybe. I don't know. That's how you might read the tea leaves. I'm I'm kind of thinking maybe he knew that Russell Wilson was going to need his coach to publicly defend him, and he might have to be the fall guy for that. Well, that would be shade, too, going the other way, wouldn't it? Yeah, because he knows that he was not a good head coach. He got fired after 15 games. He knows it was a disaster. But for him to know or expect a public uh, revisiting of the disaster from Sean Payton, why would he assume that Sean Payton – Maybe maybe he knows other coaches that had warned him, hey, Sean Payton's been trashing you or, or whatever. But when Sean Payton was on the desk at Fox, he wasn't trashing other coaches. This was not something that we really saw out of him when he was in the media. So I wouldn't anticipate that. I think that he needed to defend his guy. And to do that and to inflate Russell Wilson, he needed to point to something else. Don't look at what happened here. Look at what happened here. It's not Russell Wilson's fault. It's not Nathaniel Hackett's fault. It was a disaster. Yeah, we know. But why do you need to defend Russell so publicly? Yeah, well, because it's clear that's a guy who needs, you know, his his uh, ego hit. One person writes, somebody wrote me here on Twitter and said, Matt, I listened to you all earlier. And Michelle said she was looking for a passionate fan base to join. She said she appreciated Taylor Swift fans and fans of the Cleveland Browns. I have some suggestions. Okay. She should become a Big Lebowski fan. Big Lebowski fans are passionate. They get together. They love it. They dress up as the characters, and they're the nicest people on earth. Get Michelle to be a Big Lebowski fan. What do you think about that? So I've never considered it. I have seen the film. Do you so- like it? I do like it. So what would I do? Wear a robe and drink white Russians? Well, okay. True story. In Louisville, Kentucky, where I'm sitting right now, once a year they have Lebowski Fest. It is a festival where people watch the movie. They all dress up. You can only drink white Russians. They have a bowling tournament. And people from all over the world come to Louisville and do Lebowski Fest. I don't know how they chose Louisville for it, but they do it. That's the kind of thing you could do. And you could also try to live a lifestyle like the dude. <laughs> Isn't Aaron Rodgers kind of embodying the dude? That's a good question. You know what I See, mean? I you're, like you're, the, I, you're down on Rodgers, I but like you're high the on dude. the dude. I really like the dude. <laughs> I do not like Aaron Rodgers. I never got the sense, though, that the dude thought he was smarter than everybody else. My problem with Aaron Rodgers it's not that he's an ayahuasca like mind opening guy. I tend to like those people. Me too. It's the it's the fact that he has an arrogance of I am smarter than you and you will never be able to understand what I have seen. That's really what annoys me, Michelle. Yeah, and you're right. The dude doesn't really do that. He's more he, this is how I live my life. Accept it. Yes, exactly. Another person suggests Matt another group of people that she could join Corvette owners. 
every weekend, Corvette owners get together all over the country and drive their Corvettes around. How about that? Well, I live in New York City, and I am not Moneybags McGee over here. I don't have enough money to, A, buy a car, and, B, put it in a garage. You know how expensive garages are in New York City? That's true. They are a lot. Money but thank bags, you for the suggestion. Moneybags McGee. Last yeah. trade <laughs> announcement that we have, the Boston Red Sox are acquiring infielder Luis Urias from the Milwaukee Brewers. So that's the one move uh, that the Red Sox have made. Sources will tell ESPN. Coming up, the PGA Tour made a move to help fix their lack of transparency. That's next. But first, Michelle has this from Vivid Seats. Here at Canty and Carlin, we're fired up for the MLB season. And luckily for you, our friends at Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, have great deals on great seats with a huge selection of tickets to this year's hottest matchups. Experience every crack of the bat, every diving catch, and every heart-pounding play of your favorite team live and in person. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. That's right. They are America's team, although they didn't make a trade today. But that's all right. They didn't need to. They're so good, extra players wouldn't even help. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. She's Michelle Smallman. I'm Matt Jones. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Trade deadline is over. But that doesn't mean there aren't other stories. You know, we try to help you with three and out usually on this show, but we got another thing in the next segment. So we're going to do three and out, but we're not going out. It's like three and you know, kind of out. So let's hit it. Is there like a 
opener or anything for this? Do you need me to go three and out? Three and no, out. No, you got to go. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. There you go. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and, not and out. <laughs> See, that's much better. Now I feel more ready to give you these uh, things. Let's start with the PGA Tour. You know, they've taken a lot of criticism for the money they're getting from the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, but they're not going to not get it. They're still doing it. And they've decided to add Tiger Woods as the six-player director, and they say they've made significant changes to their governance structure. In a statement, the PGA Tour said the player directors and Commissioner Jay Monahan will work to amend the policy board's governing documents to ensure that no major decision can be made in the future without the prior involvement and approval of player directors. This is what we would call in the country of uh, shutting the barn door after the cows have gotten out. <laughs> I mean, the biggest decision that they were going to make was this. It's already made. So I think whatever damage they did probably has already occurred with their player membership. And you're bringing in Tiger Woods, who is who's more influential than him, right? He's very influential. He's like the one dude in sports that, is the he's like the last guy in sports that everybody will listen to. You know what I mean? Like, in, I don't know if any other sport has that. The guy that if he talks, everybody listens. Baseball doesn't have that. Basketball doesn't really have that. I don't even think football has it. He's like the – there are very few times that an icon is, like, still playing, and I feel mm-hmm. like Tiger's that, and that's probably, Michelle, why it makes sense to put him on this. Because he's the meter. He is the meter in golf. You might yeah. have other guys who are better than him right now who are winning. Tiger Woods is still the meter. When he plays or when he talks, we care. It and matters. you're right. I don't I don't, I don't think, think there's that there's else. any I, I mean, even when Tom Brady was playing, he wasn't the only guy that we paid attention to. And Patrick Probably, Mahomes doesn't command that. Yeah, not yet. Probably not yet. the only guy that was close was Roger Federer in tennis. He kind of had that as well. But nobody has it quite like uh, Tiger. The second one. Max Scherzer requested a trade for the Mets after learning the team's plans to focus on the future. The right-hander told Ken Rosenthal that he talked to Mets owner Steve Cohen and general manager Billy Epler about the long-term plans, and apparently Billy said, quote, we are reloading for 2024. Basically, our vision now is for 2025 and 26. So then Scherzer says he knew that he probably wouldn't be around then, and he asked for the trade. Do you agree with that, or was it just the Mets were like, we want rid of Scherzer, and now he's trying to find an explanation that makes sense? Well, he's 39 years old. Why does he want to wait for the Mets to reload for 2025, 2026? I would be like, send me on my way too. I wouldn't want to stick around for that. And what would give him belief that it would be any better in 2025, 26, based on the sample size that he has of what they've done already? Well, part of the reason they've stunk, though, is him. I mean, on some level, you know, it is kind of partially his fault. He's been awful all year. I do think it's funny when guys who are the reason the team has struggled complain about the team struggling. You know, I mean, you Scherzer's starts have been brutal all year. Maybe he'll find some magic in Texas, but that, that was a trade that probably worked out for both sides. Yeah. Kyrie Irving, in the last one, has responded to a tweet on his career without LeBron James saying, quote, See what happens. Kyrie Irving, another of these people that responds to randoms on Twitter, the tweet read, Kyrie Irving hasn't had much success since leaving LeBron James. And Irving responded, pin this tweet and see what happens in the next few years. 
Michelle, do you think something will happen in the next few years that will change the conclusion that he hasn't had a lot of success without LeBron? No. I'm looking. He says, see what happens. What am I looking for? <laughs> wow. Harsh. You got mad at uh, at Sean Payton, and you just took one right to the face of Kyrie Irving. No, I'm just being honest. He is a very talented basketball player, but unfortunately, it has not worked out for him in any of his stops without no. LeBron. And at some point, as what Taylor Swift said, hey, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me. Is that Correct. how it goes? Yeah, there you go. You Look nailed it. Look at you. You're Swifty already. I don't really know any of her songs, but I feel like I've seen that on TikTok over the years. Uh, coming up, one of our Major League Baseball insiders will join us to recap t- today's deadline deals. It's Kenny and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And Carlin, the podcast. It is Candy Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Final segment, Matt Jones, Michelle Smallman. We've had a fun day. And what better way to end it than with Kylie McDaniel, ESPN Baseball Insider? We've got him for a few minutes. Busy day for you, Kylie. Let's do this. Yeah. For buyers okay. and sellers, what buyer came out the best on the trade deadline? And you know, prospects, what seller did the best on the trade deadline? Uh, I would say the Mets did a great job getting value for guys that I think everybody knew they had to trade given their position. Once they traded one guy, you knew the rest of them were going. They did a really good job getting value and using their financial muscle to sort of buy their way out of contracts and get better prospects. Uh, I would also say in the buying uh, end of things, I was actually trying to say it on the broadcast. We kind of ran out of time there at the end. Uh, The Rangers added a lot of talent there. Uh, with the Jordan Montgomery deal and the Scherzer deal, they are still the fourth best farm system in all of baseball. They like kept all of their best guys out of the mix for all these trades and continued adding. And they have the best run differential in the entire American league. So they're like a real contender with a real farm system and have like in the last couple of years under GM, Chris young, like really worked their way into maybe not quite the Dodgers in terms of like efficiency of running an organization, but like in terms of how good their team is and how good their farm system is, they're not that far off. 
Kylie, we were monitoring all of these moves as they were going down, and we got word that Tigers lefty Eduardo Rodriguez invoked his no-trade clause and actually killed a trade to the Dodgers. A, a deal was in place. He did not approve it, so the deal is dead. Do you have any sense of why he didn't want to go to L.A.? Uh, I and some of our other reporters have been told there's more to this than has been reported and said that they would tell us later. <laughs> oh, Don't want it out there yet. Oh. Interesting. Now uh, you got me. Now so, you got me wanting to know. Yeah, Kylie. juicy. Well, he also has an opt out, but he might not opt out, but he's been really good this year, but then didn't pitch very much last year and Detroit is not very good, and then the Dodgers, you know, might be good. And so there's, like, a lot of, like, little factors you add together. I would imagine the answer is going to be some version of the family didn't want to move and then opt out and do this whole thing, maybe wanted them to guarantee an extra year. Like, I'm guessing it's somewhere in that area. That's kind of what the speculation was when it happened, is he wanted an inducement to waive his no-trade clause, and it didn't happen. But, again, there's, like, something else going on there that may just be a detail similar to what I just said, or it might be something else completely. But, uh, yeah, it's still a bit of a mystery, but I think you can probably guess what it is. Uh, I, you know, you said something interesting a minute ago about the organizations, and I was looking at the – I don't think it was yours, but a ranking of the best baseball farm systems. And the Dodgers and the Rangers are two of the best. And then I noticed some of the other best ones were the Orioles, the Reds, the, the Rays, teams that are all good. And, it, and so I wonder if you think there's a and, – and this is still people still in the minors now, not including the ones that are in the majors currently – I assume that there's a correlation there, right? A lot of the success you're seeing from these teams are just organizations that know how to build franchises via the minors. Am I right? Yes, it is pretty rare to have a big market team that is a perennial contender with a good team at the big leagues and has a top 10 farm system. That typically doesn't ha- not happen, which is why the Dodgers – are seen as such an outlier and work sort of like the standard that everyone has been trying to copy for a while. I would argue the Yankees have been sort of on the fringes of that, but have not. Obviously, this, I think right now might be in the last place in the AL East. If not, they're close to it. Uh, they haven't quite put up those sort of perennial, you know, making the championship series sort of uh, seasons that the Dodgers have. Their farm system isn't quite as good, but they've been in the area. And then you'll have a handful of teams like Cleveland and Tampa that on shoestring budgets are constantly replenishing their farm system and are making the playoffs pretty regularly doing a different sort of thing, but it is pretty common to have teams like the Mets who had a, I believe, a fringe top 10 farm system, immediately graduated their top two guys this year, dropped into the bottom half, and then just traded for a bunch of guys, and now they're back in about the middle, and it's it's overwhelmingly rated uh, toward upper minors hitters that might be in the big leagues next year, gotcha. uh, which is how you end up high in the rankings and how you end up doing a you know a reload, which is what it seems like the Mets are doing. But yes, also the Angels have the 30th farm system in baseball, and if they lose Otani, they're going to be a total wasteland of talent next year, which sort of tells you the situation they've had over the last few years is that they've had to basically overpay at this deadline to have a reason to make a case to Otani that maybe he should stay because they might make the playoffs. You can kind of see how I'm straining to explain how this is working for them. Yes, absolutely. What a risk. Um, Well, Kylie, you mentioned the Yankees. Speaking of them, are you surprised that they only made one trade today? Yeah, that's why I think they might be doing a version of what the Mets are doing and maybe the Padres are doing, which is kind of standing pat, hoping the team catches fire and makes the playoffs, but not pushing any more chips in this year with an eye toward next year. Another thing I wanted to try to sneak on the broadcast that we ran out of time for is the Yankees' top six prospects are all position players in double A or higher. 
So I think they're looking at this the same way the Mets are, which is well, we don't need to spend a bunch of money in free agency getting a guy for $200, $300 million. We don't need to make a bunch of trades for rentals because next year and then particularly the, the next year, we're going to have a bunch of guys at the minimum, which will then give us a better team and free up a bunch of money to then go get that one player once all those young players are there. The crazy part of that is we're talking about the Mets and the Yankees that seem to be punting on this year and maybe punting on next year to eventually have a team – that has that core like the Dodgers and the Braves and, you know, the Rangers and all these teams sort of have that they're, they're so focused on trying to do that in a sustainable way and not buying a new team every year that they almost seem to be punting one and a half seasons, which seems like something nobody thought they would do because, you know, in those markets you usually can't do that. I'm going to ask you a non-trade deadline question because we don't, I rarely get to talk to somebody that knows the, the, the minors like yours. Ellie De La Cruz with the Reds and the kid that got drafted from LSU, the pitcher for the Pirates. You hear people say those are once-in-a-generation kind of prospects. Is that just hyperbole, or is that really the case with those guys? So the problem is if there's a once-in-a-generation prospect every year, it's probably miscalibrated. Yeah. And I think that's that's part of it. Because you could say some things about Ellie De La Cruz. I wrote an article when he came up that he has – there's five tools. You know, everybody sort of knows, like, scouting, there's five tools. There's the 20 to 80 scale, where 80 is the best in the big leagues. And if you're talking about, you know, power or hit tool, there's like two or three guys that have 80. There's an argument that Ellie De La Cruz has 80 power, 80 speed, and an 80 arm while playing shortstop. So, like, he is maybe the rarest set of physical tools and body that we've seen since, like, Bo Jackson. So, in that way, is he generational in terms of those things I just said? Or is he generational in that he will be a Mike Trout, Shohei Otani-level Hall of Famer? Like, those are two different things. Yeah, those But are I think if you pick out those guys like Skeens was the pitcher from LSU referring to, the, the Pirates took, he's the best draft pitching prospect in at least 12, maybe 15 years. So that is, I guess, the definition of a generation. If you talk about draft prospect as a pitcher, and if you talk about uh, Ellie De La Cruz as a collection of tools, that also is probably generational. But I think people hear that as he will be the best player in baseball next year, which is obviously pretty ridiculous to say. Kyle McDaniel, great stuff. ESPN Baseball Insider, and you finished right at the perfect time. So thank you very much. We appreciate it. Yeah, got to hit that hard out, man. We got to hit the hard out. Michelle, you know it. I had a fun four hours with you. I hope to do it again. Absolutely. Great time today. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.